Hey guys, welcome to the latest edition of 4040 Shorts from the 4040 Vision podcast. This is our short form format where we cover a sports topic in anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes. We're so excited to bring you today's episode, but first, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision podcast. I'm your host, Colette Abdallah. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the history of the number one draft picks in the NBA. So this is in light of the San Antonio Spurs winning the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes and the fact that they are more than likely taking him first overall in the 2023 NBA draft. I'm recording this podcast a couple days before the uh, actual draft, and hopefully you'll be listening to it before the actual draft happens. But I wanted to take this chance to discuss the history of the number one picks in the NBA and the likelihood of Wembenyama turning into a great player. So we all know that the NBA draft and drafts in general are really unpredictable when it comes to the way players pan out. But going back through the history of the number one picks in the NBA, we notice that there's definitely a trend when it comes to how successful these players are going to be. Spurs fans probably know this more than most, and they're well aware of this fact because they were lucky enough to take two of the best players in their franchise's history, and definitely the best player in their franchise history, with Tim Duncan, number one overall, and they also picked David Robinson, number one overall, a few years before that. So they're definitely helping for some of that same success with Victor Wembanyama, as David Robinson won one ring with Tim Duncan, but was one of the best centers in the NBA in the 90s. And Tim Duncan, of course, is one of the best players in the history of the NBA with five championships and a ton of other awards and accolades that are too lengthy to mention on this podcast. But you get the point. Usually, when the Spurs, at least, draft number one, they do really well for themselves. So before we jump into the history of the picks, I wanted to talk about Wembenyama as a prospect. There's been what I'd like to call, you know, some hyperbole surrounding him where folks are calling him the best prospect of all time. And we, I know we've seen some of the social media clips of him missing a three and then catching it off the bounce and dunking it on somebody. And the fact that he's, I don't know, seven foot five and can, dribble like Kyrie Irving and has a, a great pull-up game, all kinds of stuff. He just looks like nothing we've ever seen before at that size. But I wouldn't call him the best prospect of all time because we're ignoring the likes of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I think would have been drafted number one out of high school, but because of the NBA's rules, had to play four years in college. Definitely would have been the number one pick any year that he could have come out and was hands down the best prospect of that era. And then, of course, LeBron James, who is someone that I'm more familiar with, of course, because he got drafted in 2003. I was still in high school. And he was the first guy in that era that we actually got to see play high school ball in a nationally tele- televised game on ESPN. He was like on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was everywhere. And there were the way they were talking about him was, you know, he's the chosen one. He's the savior of the NBA. He's the next Michael Jordan. And we're hearing a lot of the same talk when it comes to Wembenyama, where people are saying crazy stuff about, oh, if he's not as good as Hakeem Olajuwon, then he's a failure. But this is all a product of the current social media hype machine versus, you know, with Kareem, which of course was a long time ago, and even LeBron, which is a little more organic, less on social media, more traditional media, print media, ESPN, stuff like that. So obviously he has a ton of potential. Again, he, he doesn't look like anyone we've ever seen before with his combination of size and uh, skill and athleticism and all that stuff. But 
let's pump the brakes a little bit. So coming into the draft, he's not quite the best offensive prospect we've ever seen. I've heard his shooting percentages are below 30% from three. And the fact that he just, he's still small. He, he's not, I'm sorry, not small. He's a little slight for his size. You know, he's a, he's a bean pole, <laughs> so to speak. He doesn't move like one. He doesn't move like a big stiff or anything like that, but he could definitely stand to put some weight on. So there's some concerns about him holding up offensively because of that. But I think in general, the more intriguing part of his game, and I think the area where he can make the most immediate impact is on defense, where for the same reasons that he should be a problem on offense, eventually once he builds up that side of his game, just the fact that he has that incredibly rare combination of athleticism where you think he could stay with the smaller guys out on the perimeter. He could uh, guard guys in space. He's also more than likely, like I think for sure actually, <laughs> will be the tallest guy on the court in any game in the NBA next season. And just based on that and the fact that he has a, a pretty good vertical from what we've seen uh, in the clips, he didn't do any of the combine workouts or anything like that, but he's going to be an elite rim protector almost just by standing still and putting his hands up. He's going to deter guys from attacking him because it's hard to shoot over a guy who can basically stand on his feet, on his heels, reach up and maybe put, put maybe in dunk probably without even jumping because he's so tall. So I think obviously that it's going to be, it's going to be able to make him an immediate contributor to the Spurs defensively. And of course there's legitimate concerns about his size and guys, his size not holding up because of foot issues, ankle issues, you know, human beings that are that tall usually have issues like that. We've seen it with Chet Holmgren last season who broke his foot, Sean Bradley, all kinds of guys that have come into the NBA that were really tall, over 7'1", 7'2", 7'3", and they just don't hold up. But obviously we don't want to focus too much on the negative because, you know, we've made plenty of advances in, in sports science. And I think going to an organization like San Antonio that prioritizes player health, they basically invented load management, is going to help him a lot. And it's going to help his adjustment. And I think, you know, we want to focus on the positives. Hopefully he stays healthy and there's no issues and nothing like that. And he becomes everything that he's meant to be. So we can spend hours and hours, and I'm sure they have on ESPN and all kinds of other podcasts about his potential and what we think he can achieve in the future. But I also wanted to focus on some of the history of these number one picks and I think what Spurs fans can hope for based on some of the other guys that were taken this high in the draft. So unlike the NFL where picking a guy number one overall is usually not an indicator of future success, you know, just think about some of the guys that have gone number one overall recently, Baker Mayfield, for example, Kyler Murray is another one. NBA players that have gone first overall generally become good to great players during their career. So I won't go through every number one pick ever drafted in the NBA because that would be a very, very long list and a very boring podcast. But before we do, I mean, I mean, I'll try to focus mostly on guys picked since the year 2000, but here are a couple other, more than a couple, I should say, notable number one picks in the history of the NBA. So in 1958, Elgin Baylor was drafted by the Minneapolis Lakers, one of the greatest players of all time. 1960, Oscar Robertson goes first overall to the Cincinnati Royals. That's Mr. Triple-Double himself. The aforementioned Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1969 is picked by the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe the greatest player of all time, depending on who you ask. At least a top five player of all time. 1974, Bill Walton is drafted by the Trailblazers. 
the best passing big man of all time since Nikola Jokic. 1979, the LA Lakers take Magic Johnson, perhaps the best point guard of all time. 1985, the Knicks take their best player ever, franchise history, Patrick Ewing. 1987, the Spurs take David Robinson, who second best player possibly in Spurs history and one of the best centers in the history of the NBA. 1992, the Orlando Magic select Shaquille O'Neal, also one of the best centers in NBA history, multi-time champion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 1996, the Sixers pick Allen Iverson, maybe not an all-time great, but one of the coolest players in the history of the NBA and one of the most fun players to watch during the 90s and 2000s. And then in 1997, the Spurs once again pick number one, and they pick Tim Duncan, who we talked about all his accolades and everything that he achieved. And you can see that, for the most part, the best players in NBA history have gone number one, with some exceptions, of course, Kevin Durant, Michael Jordan, etc. Larry Bird, I believe, went second overall. So there's, for the most part, the all-time greats that you're thinking about, the all-time starting five that you're probably building in your head, it's probably going to be made up of number one picks. And if you even look at the number one picks, you can build a starting five that can take on anyone else because you can include LeBron and some other guys taken in this era as well. So since the year 2000, there has been, of course, 23 number one picks so far, and only eight out of those 23 have never been all-stars. And that, of course, includes Cade Cunningham and Paolo Boncaro, who were just drafted. So it's really early to talk about those guys. So essentially, it's only been six. Out of those, out of the twenty-three so far that have not been named to the All-Star team and will not be named to an All-Star team in the future, for you know, for the most part. But we can talk about some of these guys and we can see that maybe some of them have a case in the future. So, Kami Brown was an early pick by the Lakers, just wasn't that good. Probably overdrafted, not his fault. Uh, I'm sorry by the by the Wizards. Andrea Bargnani, he was okay, but it should have been Lamarcus Aldridge that went number one. He had the better resume. I think teams were just more. Uh, intrigued by what uh, skill set they thought Bargnani had, but he still had a, a decent NBA career with the Knicks. The next one was Greg Oden. Never reached his potential because of injuries. Probably should have been Kevin Durant that went number one, or definitely should have been Kevin Durant that went number one. But he just had the issues. One leg was longer than the other, et cetera, et cetera. He was never able to play a full season, and he just couldn't reach his potential. But if he was healthy, he probably does become an all-star and is one of the better players in the league. After him, Anthony Bennett was the number one pick, and it was just one of the weirdest drafts of all time. If you look at the top five, top ten, it was horrendous. Uh, Victor Oladipo went number two. Otto Porter Jr. was in that top five, who's a good good enough player, but never healthy enough. But it was the draft that produced Giannis at pick 15. Uh, Rudy Gobert was in there, I believe, as a second-round pick. So just a super bizarre draft. And if Oladipo is number one instead of Bennett, then, you know, he's an all-star. He's been an all-star and he would be on this list too. Markel Fultz was taken number one a little bit later by the Sixers. And he's had some weird issues where he had the yips and some weird injuries and all that kind of stuff. But at the very least, he's looking like a useful player for the magic and part of that magic core that's started to develop along with uh, Franz Wagner and and Paolo. So who knows what's going to happen with him. And most recently, DeAndre Ayton, he made a finals with the Suns and looked like a pretty useful player for them. He has all-star potential, I would say, if he's on a team that focused more on him versus 
you know, being overshadowed by Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And then of course now being overshadowed by Kevin Durant as well. So maybe if he gets traded, they build an offense around him, who knows what the potential might be. And then some of the other guys that have gone number one overall in this era, guys like Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, LeBron James, Ben Simmons for, you know, everything that he's dealing with now, at least he was a good to great player a little bit, you know, for for a few years of his career before things just went sour. But essentially we've seen that if you are taking a guy, number one, his ceiling is first team, all NBA, second team, all NBA, maybe an all time. Great. Who knows? Uh, Anthony Davis was named to NBA's top 75 team. LeBron James is, arguably the greatest player of all time, et cetera. There's all, all these guys, again, their ceiling is all-time great, which is great, which would be ideal for Victor Wembanyama and all the hype around him and the talent that he supposedly has. But the floor, I think, is what people don't usually like to talk about because when they talk about Wembanyama, they say, oh, he's going to be an all-time great. Just off the bat, people are saying within three years, he's going to be the best player in the NBA and that's overlooking guys like Luka and Giannis and Jokic that's only 28 and just won a title. And of course, you know, we'll see some some of the other guys that are still developing in, in their careers and are still early on in their careers. But the hyperbole says, or the hype says, he's going to be the best player within three years. And he's already being compared to all-time greats. Uh, I said earlier that some folks said if he's not as good or better than Hakeem Olajuwon, then he's a bust which is just an insane thing to say about a 19-year-old kid that we've never seen play in an NBA game. But his floor, at the very least, is a useful NBA player. Perhaps a kind of borderline all-star, maybe maybe not an all-star, but an all-defensive team guy. You know, there's a lot of ways that his career can go. And Assuming, of course, that he's healthy and all that, we're not dealing with any foot or ankle issues like we talked about, then at the very least, we know with some degree of certainty that the Spurs are going to get a useful player. And sometimes when it comes to the crapshoot that is the NBA draft, you're happy with at least a useful NBA player. That could be a little bit disappointing considering the hype that we've seen around him and everything like that, but at least... The Spurs and Spurs fans and Spurs Nation, whatever you guys call yourself, go Spurs, go, can go to sleep comfortably knowing that no matter what happens, if he's healthy, more often than not, and there's a bigger chance of Victor Wembanyama being, at the very least, a useful NBA player and not a total bust. So that's it for our podcast. Thank you guys for checking us out. Please make sure to leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can find us on all of the social media platforms at 4040 Vision Pod, and of course on YouTube at the 4040 Vision Podcast. Thanks, y'all. Peace out.